Let's begin by all joining together and praying. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, for you are our rock, you are our redeemer. Amen. So the degree that this sermon is going to hit and connect with you and give you something that is really meaningful or completely misses, and just a few words that came out of my mouth this morning, uh, it, it depends on just one simple detail today. So we got to start there. Here it is. It's going to be mind-blowing. Ready? You and I live and are people in 2024 AD. I know. Right? Pretty crazy. Some other obvious things. That means that Jesus lived on earth before us. It means that the people who lived before and at Jesus' time, the way that they worshipped, is different than the way that you and I worship. It means that if we are going to get anything out of God calling us his temple, and this picture that God wants us to have on our minds this morning, we got to get out of the here and now, and we got to go back to that time. So here's your Sunday morning quiz. What do you know about the temple? Guests who are here, first-time visitors, people that have not been in the Bible very much in their lives, you guys are off the hook. You don't have to answer. But you who have been Christians, like, your whole life, who have been in the Bible the whole time. What do you know? No, just, just kidding. I'm not going to put you on the spot and do that. Because I think even for us who have been in the Bible a lot, thinking about the temple and what the temple was all about and all these awesome details that God gives, these aren't things that normally run through our heads, are they? Okay. So let's just go basics then. What things do you, do anyone probably know about temples? All right, well, temples, <laughs> thanks, Nora. Temple, temples were built to worship gods, right? Temples have been made all over the world, lots of different places, lots of different cultures. Temples, for most places, are like these big, giant, ornate, uh, most impressive structures in a culture. Uh, we can see that temples were really important for people. For us as Christians, the Old Testament temples are important to know because for them, these were the centers of worshiping the true God. Here's kind of what uh, one temple, uh, this is Herod's temple around Jesus' time. This is kind of, of a depiction of what it would look like. Once you get to around 1,000 B.C., that's like 3,000 years ago, the temple is where it's going to happen. This is where God promises to live on earth in a very special and unique way. This is where all the festivals, where people would come back to Jerusalem and party and celebrate, this is where it was going to happen. This is where every day so many people would be coming in for daily worship practices you can see even in the physical design of this structure, right? This is over and above and more beautiful than anything else around. God wants this place to stand out. And what would people have known the temple for more than anything else? 
the sacrifices. At the heart of their worship style, really our old, old worship style, was a focus on giving stuff up to God. You would have sacrifices every single morning. You would have sacrifices because it was evening. You would have sacrifices because you harvested your crops. You would have sacrifices for when you sinned and messed up, and when you sinned and messed up in this way and sinned and messed up this way. You would have sacrifices for when you were blessed with really good things happening. You would have sacrifices for when you'd have new kids. They were just sacrifices. And you see, temple worship meant that you couldn't just bring whatever you wanted to sacrifice to God whenever you wanted. Temple worship meant sacrifices following God's specific details of what to bring and when to bring and how much to bring to him. If you want to get more into all of this and spend hours going down this rabbit hole, uh, read through the books of Deuteronomy and Leviticus, and you are going to find way more details than you've ever asked for. And I think it would be really easy for us today to take a look at temple worship and how they worshiped and how they honored God and all these laws that were around it and to try to bring that kind of thing to us. It's okay for us to admit that uh, we like to have very clear steps in front of us, right? We do it. We watch the YouTube videos when we're uh, trying to figure out how to install the new oven and connect the right cords. We uh, get frustrated because we can't figure it out as we're putting the new starter on and then we go back and we do it. And if you're of a different generation and uh, you don't have to do those things because you learn those things, we do know that there were those little yellow books, the whatever fill in the blank for dummies that you guys used too. We know you had to learn too. Uh, but for us, getting a to-do list, getting very clear instructions, uh, and working on checking things off, that's what we do in our normal everyday lives. But that kind of thing is not going to work for us spiritually. Because you and I know what it's like to have an endless list to try to work through. It's the frustration having kids and taking care of kids and working on kids so much that you don't have any time to take care of yourself anymore. It's the boss or the CEO that demands more and better and faster without giving you the time and support to help. It's the endless list that makes your conscience just go crazy at night as you're trying to fall asleep by reminding you about all the things that you didn't do that you know you needed to do, or all the things that you failed at doing as well as you should have been doing them too. Once you really start understanding God's set of morals and all the details of what a life with him should look like, the more painfully aware you become that you and I on our own are not even close. That's why in the end, trying to live our lives by like checking off this to-do list of things, it won't only leave you exhausted and drained and honestly nowhere closer to God. It'll ruin you spiritually. We can't do it all. 
And the sooner we stop trying to do this checklist of everything, the sooner we realize that we desperately need some help. And that's why the most important day for Old Testament worshipers, the most important thing that would happen at the temple every single year, that's what it was all about. It was this visual reminder that people need help. You've probably seen something like this, right? At least from Indiana Jones, you've probably seen something like this. This is the Ark of the Covenant. And uh, this is kind of at the center of that very special festival day, the most important day of their worship life. It was called the Great Day of Atonement. This was uh, something that happened only one day, once a year. The high priest, the very uh, most important special priest, he would go into the smallest, littlest back room of the temple, the place where God promised to be in a very special way. And he would take some blood from a sacrifice that had just been sacrificed, and he would take it and he would sprinkle it on top of it. If he did anything wrong, any little detail, do you know what would happen to that high priest? He'd die. So crazy that they actually would tie ropes around the high priest on this day because just in case they messed it up and did something wrong, at least if they died, then they could pull their bodies back out afterwards too. But talk about trying to worry about getting everything right in every detail. But it was very obvious as they did this, for people to be good with God, there needed to be a sacrifice. There needed to be bloodshed. Do you know the coolest detail of all these things? The very top of this, uh, this place on top of the ark, this is called the mercy seat. This is the place where mercy happens. This is the thing that would point temple worshipers forward to better sacrifices, better mercy. So that it wouldn't be the blood or the priest or the people and what they did on that day. Here, God would show mercy. Here, God would choose to forgive imperfect people. This was God teaching people that the focus was never going to be on them and what they did, but on him and what he was going to do for them. And so that you and I don't mix up things too, God starts us with this thought today. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, in view of his mercy, then offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Then this is going to be your true and proper worship. It starts in view of his mercy, with eyes and hearts focused on him and what he has done. Not struggling, not trying to do it all ourselves, but ready to admit that we need him. And then his mercy does what all the sacrifices at all the years at all the temple could never do. God's mercy saves and forgives and restores. And this is what you already know. 
Because at the heart of God's mercy is Jesus. That's why we're here. Jesus brings us back here where we go over every single week at the center of our building. He died for us. He forgave us. Where we begin our worship service with this reminder of our baptisms that God has connected us to Jesus. Where we get this awesome and unbelievable meal of God telling us personally, this is what Jesus has done for you. This is how you're forgiven. This is you at peace. Before we get to all the rest of what it means for us to be God's temples today, it starts with his mercy in Jesus and just taking time there. I think you've read the stories or heard about the stories too, right? A guy's working under his car and the car jack fails and the car falls and it crushes him. But his friend is around and he sees what happens and he sees the car fall and he jumps into action and out of nowhere, a normal person lifts up the car and he pulls the buddy out. It's the mom who forgets to put the, the brakes on the stroller and it's on the gentle hill and the stroller starts rolling away. And the mom turns and then sees the stroller start running away. And then with Olympic runner speed, in three strides, the mom catches up, catches the cart, saves the baby. It's the, uh, the thing that gets documented a lot of times for us dads that are uncoordinated and clumsy and often just can't seem to do the right thing. That I don't know we're the perfect save, the perfect capture. We can make it happen. Because when people are looking at the right thing and they see that there is a need to help, people do more than they thought was possible. With our eyes and our hearts firmly focused on Jesus and his forgiveness and his finished and complete work to save us, now this is where God uses us to do some really awesome things. And really a better translation that would have been here uh, in view of God's mercy really could be through God's mercy. That we offer ourselves a sacrifice only through him and his forgiveness. And it means that we can live as his temples. As places where we worship God, we can sacrifice and we can bring our best to him. Now, finally, now we can look at what our best is going to look like in our world. Here's the first thing. Uh, God encourages us, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Our best as God's temple means... We're going to set aside our ego and our ways and our thoughts, and we're just going to listen and look to him for his standards and what he says is good. We're going to go with what he says, even when it's going to hurt us. We're just going to trust that he knows best. A little bit more of what the best looks like. God tells us, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. That's hard. Our best looks like 
us knowing ourselves, knowing we have flaws, knowing that we aren't going to be everything. And God's going to keep us focused on Jesus and his mercy so that you can see what you can't do. Our best sacrifices look like recognizing that you and I cannot be everything on our own. It's getting rid of this I-can-do-it-better attitude, so I'm not going to let anybody else try to do anything. Instead, it's helping to equip so that everybody else can serve and sacrifice. Here's how God says it. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body. And each member belongs to one another. Simply, your best, your being God's temple looks like just putting your gifts to use, whatever they are. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Whatever it is, do it. Now we're going to go through the rest of uh, chapter 12 of Romans so that you can see some things that might be for you. Your way of giving your best. Your way of being God's temple. Uh, there's a whole lot of details, so when something connects with you, just kind of make a little mental note so that you can come back to it later and think about it more. Okay, we're going to go through them a uh, little bit by little bit. Here's the first one that God encourages us later on in chapter 12. How are you God's temple? Love. But love must be sincere. Not a fake. Not fake. Sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to good. Part of this dying to self thing is knowing that that side of you I can hate that. I can be done with that. I want God's good. Isn't that awesome? Be devoted to one another. So much so that you're thinking about them, loving them like God would love. Even when you're tired. Even when you feel worn out. Even when they wake up again in the middle of the night. <laughs> Even in our world. Where day to day and week to week just looks down and sad and bad. When it hurts. And you don't know what God's trying to do. And you don't know what God's plan is. daily, maybe even by the hour, this thing that we do maybe around mealtimes only, because you have more than you need. To everybody. Everybody. Okay, this one's a little bit easier, maybe. This is hard. 
as messed up people, as sinners, who sin against each other and hurt each other. Again, crucifying self. Who? You can kind of tell some of this is self-focused stuff. And then uh, there's a couple more details at the end of chapter 12 that I didn't include that later on today, go back and read through Romans 12 too. But if you find something that connected with you, do you see a way that you could serve? Do you see a way that you can give your best to God? Do it. Even us. In these bodies, in this messed up world, even in these things that are not fully reformed, when God keeps us focused on Jesus, he moves us and changes us and empowers us to be his living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. We're his temple. Amen.